okay. Well, now that, we are. now that I am back from, as I was describing to Lexi earlier, having the history of human violence played out in my throat, I am glad to be speaking with my co-host again about this wonderful show, ExoSquad, here on ExoFriends, the ExoSquad podcast on the Elder Millennial Network. I'm Ta-da. David Hoyt, joined by... Kayvon Fashami. And Lexi DeKoning. It's good to talk to you guys again. I think it's been <laughs> I think it's been four weeks since we last recorded. And I apologize again to Patreon people because you're usually the ones who have to suffer and not get your early access. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Shame. But we well, we're glad you're still alive. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I uh it it's not pleasant. Uh, uh, uh probably I'll, most of the editing for this episode will be editing out coughs. Excellent. Uh, well, yeah. that's good to know. Fire up the bong, Lexi. Let's get ribbed. <laughs> uh, edit those coughs I was, out. I, I did suggest that we make a drinking game out of it. So if at any point uh, you and the audience hear Dave coughing, just take a shot. It'll be like a drinking game episode, yeah. We here at the Elder Millennial Network do not endorse alcoholism <laughs> or drinking yourself to death in this new drinking game. But a bit of mild alcohol abuse is totally fine. Carry mild. on. Mild. <laughs> mild, of course, yes. Very mild alcohol abuse. Uh, uh, so, so we're we're moving on, or we're we're getting we're getting into the beginning of, I don't want to say the end, but the beginning of Exofleet fighting back. Yeah. Um, this episode is called "The First Step," uh, and it is written by Mark Edens, as always, and Ted Peterson and Francis Moi. I don't. I hope I'm saying that right. It seems like a moi. Uh, like M O I S. Yeah. Yeah. Mois. Yeah. Francis sure. Mois. Are you here? Mois. Mois. Unfortunate. I have no idea. <laughs> yeah. Mois. I'm gonna go with Mois. Let's do Mois. That's a deep bench, though. She-Ra, Care Bears, GoBots, Defenders of the Earth, Real Ghostbusters, Police Academy. The show. I'm assuming that's the show or the movie. The the yeah. There was a, there was a cartoon Police Academy. For right. Me. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. loved it when I was a kid. Yeah. And and Ted Ted Peterson has this um has this one show called Centurions, which uh I don't think a lot of people really watched it, but it was like. It had this great like uh, opening sequence and like tagline "Man and Machine Power Extreme," <laughs> and like it was about these three dudes who they would basically stick their arms and legs out and T pose and then summon from space like whatever equipment they needed at the time. So like they had like a suit for like aerial combat, ground combat, and Sick. water combat. So you know, real real good toy potential, right? Oh yeah, amazing. And, and it also had this really goofy looking bad guy who had like he had like a robot eye, a bowl cut, and half like the upper like right quarter of his body was completely robotic, and his arm was just like this swivel mounted thing that could go up and down but not like side to side it actually looked really inconvenient like like a toy yeah like a toy like a badly designed toy (laughs) we'll just build the shitty cheap design into the actual story and and of course honorable mention to wild west c-o-w boys of moo mesa 
That's a new wa- one for me. If, yeah, if you watch that, if you ever got to watch that, your childhood was truly blessed. <laughs> oh my goodness! All right, we're looking up pictures of this. Oh, uh, this looks really familiar. It, I just, I don't know. It's like somewhere deep in a part of my brain that I haven't used in thirty years. You, yeah, um, I, oh, go ahead. I, I don't, I don't remember ever seeing it more than like once ever in my childhood. <laughs> <laughs> it looks amazing. Well, I mean, South Africa is home of all kinds of like interesting cow-related children's programming. So maybe you guys <laughs> did get this. Is that a, is that a joke or is that true? Uh, you should. No, well... we... <laughs> <laughs> we should. That should be like a a spinoff or like an extra content. Is we try to find um, basically uh, I think it was Clover Milk sponsored the show called Mina Moo. Um, yeah, I'm trying to, like, just check now. Yeah, it was, like, mostly an Afrikaans uh, language show with this, like, puppet cow, and she wears earrings that are, like, clover cheese or whatever. I don't know. I can't even remember what the plot is, but, like, she's a cow, there's dairy products involved, there's a cat that likes milk, and then there's, like, these weird little aliens that live on the moon um, that, I don't know, make milk go bad or something. I Again, I don't even speak Afrikaans. Like, I... I I could pass, like I got a C in high school, but I'm not like a first language speaker. So usually I would just have this show on and kind of be, you know, enthralled by the visuals, but I have no fucking clue what the show's about. But it was called Minamoo. You can go look it up. There's like an episode one is on YouTube. That sounds incredible. It, it, it also, it, it, it <laughs> it's also horrifying. Sounds, yeah, it sounds insidious. <laughs> like whenever, whenever a food company starts to produce a cartoon, I, I start to get real wary. Like... Wonder Bread had a version of He-Man called Wondar, who's actually has a cameo in that new He-Man cartoon on Netflix. But like, <laughs> I always get like, ooh, like first, like food sold on TV to children is never good for them, <laughs> right? Usually not. No. And and like when you start to get into like. I know there's some argument like whether dairy is actually good for children or not, but when you start to get into something that's sold to children so much like milk, like I, ooh, I don't like that. Yeah. <laughs> well, and then what like the the actual I don't know the puppets are deeply unnatural. Looking, oh no! Oh no! Like, yes, there's <laughs> Just... so that's Minamoo. Um, we'll have to post this to the like Instagram or something so people can see what this looks like. But and then actually seeing it in motion, it's worth just going and watching the first few minutes of, of episode one because seeing it in motion is deeply unsettling. It's legitimately creepy. The cat is unnatural. Also, it's it's not it's nightmare fuel. Period. Uh, yeah, we should we should do a whole spinoff like episode or two just on weird South African kids TV shows. Cause I just found a, a top 10 list. We had like a lot of weird kids TV shows that were either like, yeah, advertising food. Like there was one produced by, Oh my God, I can't remember the company now, but it was like a similar thing of like people in like giant costumes, like Cedric, the crow was one of the characters and they all sold like fruit snacks to like a, what you call like a fruit roll up or whatever. Like they all had like a product associated with them, each of the characters. Anyway, this is a total tangent from Ted Peterson, who I also wanted to come back to because I see um, on your list of productions that he was involved with beyond Wild Wild West, COW, Boys of Moo Mesa. Um, 
I did not realize there was an Attack of the Killer Tomatoes animated TV series. Oh, yes. Yeah. And it, it was actually, Why? Yeah, it was actually kind of good. Like, <laughs> really? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it had, like, a big, cute, like, friendly tomato that wasn't trying to kill people. And, like, oh, yeah, it, it ruled. Uh, it, it it wasn't. It wasn't nearly as like violent or like you know a B horror movie as the actual movie, but it was. It was a fun cart. It was a fun kids cartoon. Yeah. yeah. Okay. There was I, like a t- I enjoyed the movies, like especially the second one is actually hilarious. But yeah. 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 There was like a like a Stalin like like mustachioed tomato, wasn't there? Yeah, there was. Yeah, if I remember correctly. Yeah. It it ruled. Another another honorable mention about this uh, episode the 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 like guest star character Steph Rogen is voiced by a guy named Scott McNeil who is like if you if you if you watched anime from the nineties onward dubbed anime obviously you have heard Scott McNeil's voice I don't I don't care like what you watched at some point you heard this guy's voice. And so like his most famous role is probably as like a 16 year old psychopath, like fighter pilot in Gundam wing. Uh, some people will probably not agree with my assessment that he's a psychopath, but he just kills people constantly. Um, <laughs> and uh, I couldn't stop like picturing that character with this, with this character, like of Yuri, what's his name? Stav Rogan. Yeah, yeah. Is that who? It, is that who he's voicing? Yeah, yeah. Is Scott McNeil? He was also in like Dragon Ball Z. He was in he. I mean, if you look at his IMDb page, it would take you like three to five minutes to scroll through it. Okay. Uh, uh, yeah, he Dragon Ball Z, Inuyasha, um, one like and all bit parts all over the place, uh, and other stuff like a ton of video games, uh. Yeah, it just goes on and on and on and on and on. Uh, the guy he also is... likes to rock a uh, Stetson. What's a, what's a Stetson? Like a cowboy hat. Oh yes, yes. The picture, <laughs> the pictures that he has of himself online. He he looks like he looks like a Kid Rock that I would actually want to hang out with. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah, That's serious such a good like description. Kind of Kid Rock almost like bordering on ted nugent vibes visually yeah <laughs> you can imagine to kid uh, rock ted, like a fun kid rock ted nugent that's almost like impossible to imagine <laughs> i mean i don't know what he's like in his personal life but i'm hoping maybe he is someone that you would like to that you would like to hang out with but <laughs> all right so he voiced uh steve rogan in this episode yeah yeah so right. just I, I thought thought I'd point that out because I am a huge weeb, you know, it's anime <laughs> all over the place. Uh, but Amazing. the on the episode itself, uh, we're 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 on chaos and Kaz and this character that we just talked about, uh, Yuri Stafrogan, who is filling in for Rita while she is on Earth in the last episode, are uh, racing through uh, a pirate city or the pirate city. I don't know if there's more than one on chaos, causing causing a commotion. Um, they're basically having a race and, uh, they get back to the exo carrier and JT immediately confronts them. You're like, Hey, I just heard there were a bunch of yahoos just fucking buzzing the crowd in their E-frames. Know anything about that? What's great is that he's like, I heard there were a bunch of yahoos joy riding around buzzing crowds in port chaos. <laughs> and port it was like, chaos yeah, that's it. It's like, well, I mean, it's like, it's in the name. What did you expect? 
Yeah, I feel like as soon as you introduced um, uh, E-Frames to the pirates, they're doing this shit all the time. <laughs> right, exactly. How are they not doing this in their little like pirate spaceships to begin with? Like They have those little fighters. It's yeah. port chaos, after all. It comes with the territory. Um, and, and the, so, so we immediately get the idea that like I feel like JT and Stavrogan at one point in their careers were on the same squad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, their pods have definitely intersected before. Like, there seems to be some sort of history there. Yeah, and JT clearly doesn't like Stavrogan. Like, he's he's doesn't like his attitude. He doesn't like the way he goes about anything. He just like there's, I I I would almost say there's a the JT has a big chip on his shoulder when it comes to Stavrogan. And yeah. I don't know if I don't know if later in the because se- I know Staff Rogan comes back later in the series at some point, but I don't know if we ever learn more about like what like if there's any particular reason or JT just sees him as kind of like you know an interloper that he doesn't want in his squad because he's a bad influence on people like Kaz. You know, it's funny yeah. I am a drawn a blank on that, but I also but I do seem to recall that there's like he got somebody killed or something. It was like his. Um, just like, uh, you know, recklessness or whatever got somebody in their squad killed or something. And like, I don't know. I seem to, re- I seem to recall there being something like that. And that's where the enmity comes from. Yeah. And that's absolutely that, you know, that that would justify JT's like hatred of this guy. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm almost, I, I'm almost, it almost seems like probably like, someone told JT that this guy was going to be on his squad and he like, I would have liked to see that scene where he'd be like, no way this guy's fucking being on my squad. And I'm like, well, if orders are orders, you have to let him be there right. and work with him. Um, and at this point, like we, we see the exofleet is beginning to move towards Mercury uh, to, to be begin establishing a forward base for an assault on Venus. Uh, Winfield is briefing JT, Butler, and other squad members about the mission. Um, and and uh, J- after that, uh, JT finds the squad being told a story about a Neo Sapien ace pilot named Thrax. And Steph Rogan is telling him this story. Uh, this pilot apparently is the best pilot that has ever been. He's caused the death of. It seems like almost dozens of uh, ex- <coughs> excuse me of uh, exofleet pilots, and uh, he's somewhere on Venus or Mercury. And you know, one one thing, like you, obviously, we see now, like it's already been established that Stavrogan and Kaz are friends, and Stavrogan is being a bad influence on Kaz. Hmm. And I put in the notes, like where is where's Bronski in all of this? I feel like. Bronski, while being Bronski, is level-headed enough to like look at this guy, see the influence he's having on Kaz, and because of their kind of big brother, little brother relationship, I would think Bronski would also be like, "Hey, Kaz, like you need to, you need to not listen to this guy. You need to not become like this guy. Like right. don't, yeah. don't dr- be drawn into his bullshit." And they probably just don't have enough time or like. To, to put that side story in there but I feel yes. like that should have been part of this. Does Bronski appear at all in this episode? Like I remember I think... vaguely like, okay so like there's a couple of scenes with Maggie 
I remember Naro being involved, but I, I actually don't remember. I think like, Bronski maybe has one line, right? At some point. He gets chased yeah. around by Thrax at one That's point. Right. Okay. And he's also in the, um, I think he's in the um, dining room when Stavrogan's like talking yep. about Thrax. Uh, but yeah, he's pretty minor. And it's like, you would think even just because like Stavrogan is moving into the space that like Bronski, that like Bronski is the one that is the is supposed to have that influence on Kaz. Like you'd think he might, I don't know if he's like petty enough to feel threatened per se, but he'd be like, hey man, like back off. This is my, like, <laughs> this is my little brother. Who the fuck are you? Yeah, you're gonna you you because it's like it's immediately apparent that like Stavrogan is like gunning for this Neo Sapien pilot in mm. a dangerous fashion, and yeah. like again, I just think Bronski would be like he would he would probably be like a little gung ho about like maybe trying to do that, but he would also because I I don't think Bronski is stupid, no. a- and he would also probably rec- like be like. Hey, you know, if Stavrogan flies off on his own after this guy, you know, don't follow him. You're going to get killed. Like, yeah. 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 Right? This very obvious nod to the Red Baron. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I mean, it's like you might as well just call him Manfred von Richthofen, like, because um, he's, like, very obviously the Red Baron. Uh, Thra- I, I, like, I like the name Thrax. Like yeah. it's, 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 it's menacing. It's like, it kind of convey like, you, you know, you think of like you know, something dangerous, like anthrax or something like yeah. that. It, it almost, he, he probably, he probably is the front man for like a Neo Sapien metal band or something like that. <laughs> That'd be sweet. Oh man. It's, yeah. Like what is Neo Sapien music? Like surely some, <laughs> they have to have somebody that makes music. Yeah, I, I feel I feel like I feel like that's like Neo Mega territory. Like in their off time, they're like making art and music and like trying to hide it. Like, <laughs> they're like the sensitive Neo Sapiens. <laughs> no, but like I mean, they have to have like a national anthem or something, right? Yeah, we never like. What does the Neo Sapien anthem sound like? Because yeah, I mean, because like obviously <laughs> there is at least like hints of creativity with Neo Sapiens. We yeah. see it all the time, right. in, especially in like Marsala's humor. Like right. may, maybe maybe the war is like keeping them from ever like doing anything like that. But I would also think that being in that stressful situation all the time, they would find some kind of comfort in creating something like that. Right, like artistic just... and cultural output. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, think about like I mean their their period of time as like literal slaves. Uh, you know, and like you would think like, do they have like traditionals like like kind of slave songs and stuff and. Yeah, oh, yeah. It, this is, <laughs> these are like deep ass questions for a reboot. <laughs> right, but no, I want like that's that's again like more territory to like explore in a, some days. You know, like in the in the much hoped for, uh, you know, reboot of this. Yeah, is like yeah, like what is like Neo Sapien culture? Do they have? Do they tell like stories? Are they poets? Do they like write like I don't know drum and bass? Uh, is there like national anthem just like some like really ripping techno? Who knows? But I want to know. <laughs> A ripping techno national anthem. That's actually yeah. Cool. Why not? Fuck it. It's <laughs> yeah. the future. Anything can happen. Uh, I or they're just wanna... like. Oh, go ahead. Oh no, no. I was just gonna say I I looked up the meaning of the word thrax as well. By the way, if you're interested, but we mm. can continue yeah. talking about a. Uh, no, let's. Uh, culture. Do, does does it does it have a meaning? Because I, I I like googled it briefly and I didn't really see anything. Uh, so I don't. According to, I use DuckDuckGo, which you know is 
neither here nor there sometimes with the search results, but if, according to this little thing that I can see here from uh, names.org, it's derived from the Latin Thracian, which in turn was derived from the Greek, blah, blah, blah. Basically, if you go back far enough, it means uh, to trouble or to stir. And in this case, mm. yeah, like, huh. he's kind of a, not a troublemaker, but I guess there's that element of like, ooh, danger. Uh, yeah. And then, yeah, there's also a Thrax in Greek mythology, who's one of the sons of Ares. Um, Interesting. You yeah. failed me, Google. <laughs> <laughs> duck, duck, go. Sometimes yeah. it works. <laughs> yeah. That's like, uh, I mean, because it's, you know, he is like this, like, very, like, still waters run deep and this not, and very troubled character. Um, yeah, you know, we only yeah. see a few brief, brief glimpses of him now, but I seem to recall he comes back later. Um, but, like, he's very much like this. Because, like, we'll get to it in a little bit, but, like, uh, you know, he's, like, he's got this very unsettled feeling about the, the nature of the war itself. Like, he's not committed to what he's doing anymore. Yeah. He is being a good soldier. That Yeah. And and that is wearing away. Like, yeah. that veneer is cracking. Yeah. Um, he's he's troubled. He's stirred up. Yeah. Um, oh, also, just while we're on the meanings of names, I looked up Stav Rogan because... <laughs> I've got to admit, mm-hmm. like, one of the notes in my, like, while I take notes while watching these episodes was, is Stav related to Seth or Joe Rogan? Because um, <laughs> at first I thought his name was, like, Stav Rogan, and then realized that it's Yuri Stav Rogan. But yeah, so He's apparently... Joe Rogan's great, 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 great grandson. <laughs> exactly. Oh uh, so apparently, though, Nikolai Stav Rogan is a character in, uh, I believe it's Dotievsky's Demons, mm-hmm. and he's also just, like, an asshole. <laughs> Wow, deep like cut. An anti- he's like an antisocial character. I don't know. I don't read Russian literature because I love myself. Well, um, I mean, but... <laughs> again, some someone on that writing staff with that classics degree is flexing real hard. Yeah, yeah someone right? probably took like depressing Russian lit of the 1800s or 1900s <laughs> class and was like, oh, I'm going to write this Stavrogan character in. Or it's just a coincidence. I don't know, but um, I, I thought mean, that was kind of the... interesting. There I can no see someone like looking around, like, "Oh, what's my what name am I going to use?" And it's like one of the writers for this, and they like look at their bookshelf, and there's like Dostoevsky's Demons, and they're like Stab Rogan. Let's do that. <laughs> there Let's we name go. Name him after that asshole Stab Rogan. <laughs> yeah, and then he probably pulled Yuri from like another, like it's the first name of some other Dostoevsky character. So he's like, "Let me just put these two characters together." I can see that, but anyway, Actually, so yeah. yeah. I'm going to Google Yuri Dostoyevsky really quickly and we'll see what we come up with. <laughs> I mean, this is the thing, though, is I've, I've really come to appreciate, like, every week I'm like, oh, I need to look up these names or I need to look up these references because there's usually a lot more research going on behind the scenes or, like, references than you as a child would ever have anticipated or imagined, right? Right. Yeah. Hmm. There's a guy who wrote a book about Dostoevsky, whose first name is Yuri, but Yuri Corrigan, uh, but that was in 2017, so who knows? Anyway, that's enough Russian literature before <laughs> we all make Russian. ourselves sad. <laughs> Never enough Russian literature or sadness. Uh, <laughs> certainly true. And, and the, the the again, this is one of those episodes that moves really really fast, and we're 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 jumping into the battle in Mercury. Or at least the first the first battle on Mercury. And we see, you know, multiple squads of E-frames from Exofleet launching from the carriers to begin the assault. 
and we we are we immediately see Thrax. He joins the battle and kills like twelve or like yeah. a, like over a dozen people very very quickly. It's like yeah. he 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 almost seems like he could win the war by himself. Yeah, and I feel like it's been a while since we've had, like, a high body count episode like this. Like, a yeah. lot of space combat where a bunch of people die. I mean, I guess, like, a bunch of people died on series, but not on camera as much or on screen. Mm-hmm. Um, you just kind of hear about, like, oh, yeah, the jump troops are taking a pounding. But this is, like, the first time it's like, oh, yeah, tons of people are, are just getting lit up here. Yeah. And, um... He he eventually he goes he goes after Kaz at some point or Kaz goes after him and Kaz tries his like his hologram trick and Brax <laughs> is like but I saw you turn it on right it's like I'm not that I'm not so easily fooled like I just you you're still the same which is why it's like the dumbest of the upgrades because it's like you're still the same ship there's just another ship flying next to you and best case scenario. Someone happens on you while you're running it, and they're like, eh, left or right, I pick right. And it's like a 50-50 chance. Yeah. 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 Kaz, Kaz definitely got the got the short end of the stick on upgrades. Yeah. Uh, and uh, am I missing a big chunk of the episode here? Are you? Hang on. Talk about... What do you think you're missing... Thrax and his commander. I feel like I feel like he was he Thrax talked to Glycon right after this, like before the jump troops even landed. No, because the um that all happens later because the jump troops land. You're right, it just jumps right into things. The jump troops land, um, and then um, because like when you first see Thrax's commander, it's after the jump troops because they they don't even like cover the jump troop stuff in the episode but they apparently take the main base on mercury um and then you only see the commander later because he's like oh i'm gonna lead a counterattack on the base yeah okay okay Yeah. and then you're like when did they even like capture the fucking base like what was this like it's it's actually kind of shitty continuity but yeah yeah that's why i got confused because I even watched the episode earlier this morning, and I was like, yeah. and, "And my notes are confusing me." I'm like, "Is it happen like that?" Yeah. yeah. So, so the 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 jump troops descend onto Venus. Uh, JT goes to cover them, but as as we were talking about, like Kaz and Staff Rogan have like engaged Thrax, and they go to pursue him. And I think before this happens, we also see like Thrax almost takes out Bronsky, but he gets saved by Nara and Marsala. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, JT tries to tell them to pull back. Kaz pretends like his communications aren't working. So at Stab JT- Rogan's urging, like Stab Rogan yes. tells him to do it, and at first he's like, oh, "I don't know," and like Stab's like, "No, come on, do you want to do this?" Like he's being like a well, bad influence. Because Stab Rogan is already earlier in the episode when JT and Stab Rogan have that like tension, um, over him being a bad influence on Kaz, like. He says something about, like, oh, JT used to be the best pilot, but I guess you've just gone soft, right? There's this whole, mm-hmm. like, um, I mean, I guess it's not even subtext. It's pretty overt text about, like, masculinity. And so Stav Rogan's trying to, like, egg Kaz on, like, oh, we don't need to listen to him. You know, he's, like, lost his edge. We're going to get this Thrax yeah. guy. Like, let's just go out fucking cowboys, you know, <laughs> here on our own. Because um, we're real yeah. men. 
And so that's when Kaz starts faking. He's like, oh, I can't hear you, JT. The communications are on the fritz or whatever. Like, um, And they peace out to go chase Thrax, right? Yep, yep, yeah. you're right, you're right. Uh, uh, J- JT goes to, JT tells uh, the rest of the squad to return to the carrier, and he goes off to find them. And he, en- he ends up saving their lives because Thrax is about to off both of them at this point i love i also love how thrax's like go-to move is just doing a 180 degree turn on a post <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> it's it's like that's like his that's like his power move that gets that takes out everyone like, why does why doesn't everyone know how to do this <laughs> right make a turn <laughs> it's like in space it's not like you have to like worry about like turning around with like atmosphere or anything like, uh, like I, I feel, I feel like eventually, like everyone else is going to learn how to do it, and they're going to name it after him. They're going to call it like the Thrax Drift. Like <laughs> <laughs> Fast and Furious Eight Thrax Drift. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I'm here for uh, So, so like you know, throughout all this, you know, I'm thinking like, okay, what what is the actual like pilot rating in Able Squad? And I think, I think like the two best pilots are JT and Kaz. And they kind of jockey for position, but then after that, is it like Marsala? That's a good question, because um, you don't really see like anybody else. Like, I mean, they're all, I guess, good pilots, but yeah, it's yeah. certainly not Bronski. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we could probably safely put him at the bottom. Uh, uh, Nara, Nara, or whatever, like Lieutenant Burns. Yeah. Maybe. So like I I hesitate I hesitate to say she's one of the better pilots because she's constantly getting shot out of the sky. That's true. <laughs> in in her individual e frame because I think when she's That's in, true. I think when she's in the tandem e frame, Marsala is the one flying for the most part. Is he? Well, I don't know who like because we all know women can't really fly. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. Yeah, it's like who who actually does the flying, and or is it that they're like, they just they complete each other. Yeah, maybe uh, maybe Aww. it is a, a together dual pilot. Together, they're more than the sum of their parts. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I really I, I I actually don't know who is like because I think I I feel like it's a pilot co pilot situation and Marsala is the pilot, but I could be wrong. I could be wrong. I have no, uh, I don't know how that thing. It's never really explained how that thing works. Yeah. yeah, and and why it's the only kind of E-frame that has two people. Yeah, I think that is the only E-frame in Exofleet that has model that has yeah. two people, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So it's like, why? Why? What's the other than the fact that they obviously want to like have this like awesome romantic tension between those two, and it makes that even like more whatever to have them what both if... in the same E-frame. What if, What if secretly Maggie is like the is like the third best pilot? <laughs> but they gave her the shittiest e frame. Yeah. She's basically just in the loader from Aliens. Yeah, yeah. but the thing, like really... the the thing can't bend or like turn. It just like e e. <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, because like, who's left? We have what, like, Deleon, maybe Torres. Um, you know, old like Torres pulls like, off some sick moves. Yeah. Yeah. Like when she has to get when she has to get up close with her lightsaber, like that, the, she's 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 pulling off some cool maneuvers. I think. Yeah, yeah. So like, she'd probably uh, be my vote. It'd probably be like Torres is like the uh, is number three. Yeah, 
Yeah. What? Did, I don't know. What do the fans think? That's a uh, that's a fan <laughs> question. Yeah. Let us know what you uh, what you guys think. Off camera, Maggie's just doing like sick flips and shit. Like, <laughs> in a really shitty like dump truck of an E-frame. <laughs> She's like literally like just like basically it's just a flying front loader. Yeah. <laughs> Dump truck of an E-frame. Uh, J- <laughs> so so uh, they they JT saves Steph Rogan and uh, Kaz, and they get back to the carrier. And JT is like, "What the fuck were you doing? <laughs> I gave you an order." And uh, Steph Rogan starts to uh, starts to perpetuate the lie that will kind of drive some of the other events that happen, where he says, "Oh, you know, uh, uh, Kaz couldn't hear you because of communications, so I flew with him to protect him." That's what that's what was going on, and uh, JT is not buying it. He's just like, yeah, that that didn't happen. Um, and we JT speaks with Kaz afterwards, you know, calling him out. He's like, mm. you know, what are you, what are you doing? You know, up until today, you've been um, you know, you've you know, you're obviously young and brash, but you're like, you're you've been a model member of the of the crew. Don't fall in to the same shitty patterns of behavior that Stav Rogan has had his entire career. You know, it's going to get you killed. It's going to get the squ- a squad member killed. Uh, it's, you know, you can't be like this guy. And, um, you know, Kaz is like, Kaz, he, he seems like a little kid being disciplined by his father, right? Yeah. Yeah, he, he can't really respond. He's just like, uh, you know, my, my, you know, he keeps perpetuating the lie, and uh, JT just tells him like, get your shit together for the next mission and get out. You know, think about what you've done. Is this and, is this also the point where JT says to Kaz, because Kaz, I don't know, like makes some comment about like being the best pilot or like whatever, and I think JT's like, yeah, he's a really good pilot, but do you ever wonder why he's always like he doesn't actually have a stable position in the military? He's always just being called in to fill in when other people are away. Yeah, a few a few people bring that up. He, he, JT brings that up. Maggie brings that up, and mm. I think this is the point where JT brings that up. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we also like this is the first time we've seen JT's like luxury suite here. Um, and like he's, I just focused on like one thing in the background. He had like something that looked like there's probably a better word for it, but like a dream catcher or something like that. I and, did not even notice that. And, and it, you know, there, there, I guess there's a few possibilities, right? Like he either just liked it or it has some special meaning to him. Or, like, I would like to – I think it would be cool if, like, that indicated that uh, JT was, you know, uh, first – like, you know, had some, like, First Nations heritage in him. Yeah. Just, like, Indigenous American. Yeah. Yeah, that would, that would be, be really interesting. <laughs> Super sweet. I mean, yeah, because like I saw it in your notes, and I skipped ahead to the part of the episode that that's in here, and like it's like big. It's like a. It's not just like some little like cheapo dream catcher. Like it's a pretty. It's and it's like the only noticeable wall decoration in his quarters. Mm-hmm. Um, that you can see anyway. You don't get a lot of like view of the room, but like it's this very prominently displayed large like Native American artifact. You know. I mean, you know what I just thought about. Yeah. Like all of the people who used to live on the Resolute lost all their shit. Oh yeah. Like literally everything they own. <laughs> Damn. Yeah, so he would have had to have made that. <laughs> Nar- Nara's 
Nara's giant stuffed like teddy bear bunny is gone. Oh, say it ain't so. <laughs> Poor Nara. Somewhere in space, there's just like a teddy bear and a dream catcher flying around, yeah. <laughs> floating through the void. They Shit. somehow survived that massive explosion. <laughs> <laughs> weren't atomized. I mean, that I just is... thought about that. That's kind of an interesting detail, though, about this. I don't know. I I can't remember the image, but like the Dreamcatcher thing, because I feel like the '90s as well was that era when, um, for better or worse, a lot of like Indigenous American culture was uh how do I say commercialized, right, and like sold yeah. to predominantly white audiences. Like, I mean, I don't know. Again, not trying to make anyone feel guilty if you had a dream catcher. Like, I remember I had, like, three dream catchers as a child in my bedroom. <laughs> like, was, and I was in fucking South Africa, you know? Like, Listen, we put we put a Native American in one, in one of the newer versions of Street Fighter 2. What more do you want? God, was that Alpha or whatever? Or Turbo or something? I, I think, I think, what what is his name? Yeah. It's probably, it's, like, Tanaka or something. So I can't It sounds like, yeah. That shows you how central the character was as well. Let's be honest. It's like reparations. No, let's get some vague, uh, vague like you know, (laughs) visual cues in the background. Yeah, exactly. That's all you. That's all you're gonna get. (laughs) Just to make it even more shitty, his name was Thunderhawk or T Hawk. God, that's right. That's right. There was a Native American guy in Killer Instinct too, wasn't there? Yes, I feel like, was. and it was like also something had, like Thunderhawk or so. Uh, yeah, his name was just I Thunder. Think, I was it. I, I think for, it was just Thunder. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh man. <laughs> God. Well, I mean, at least it wasn't oh. Sunset Riders. Thun- no, uh, T Hawk was not Native American. What he he was from? He was from Mexico. So he's indigenous, still indigenous American, but just from yeah. Mexico. Yeah. Well, yeah. So Native American, not in the sense like from the U- as we think of them in the U.S. Native American, as in the continent of the United of America, yeah, yeah. or North America. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But again, so at we're least... gonna we're gonna retcon JT as like a white indigenous person. Yeah. Well, everyone, everyone, like, <laughs> except mean... for except for Butler. Everyone's white in this series, aren't they? Despite the fact that, like, Kaz Takagi is, like, last name is Clearly Takagi. Japanese. Right. <laughs> yeah. And, like, Rita Torres is, like, you know, that's a, you know, like, uh, Hispanic, like, Latina name. Um, yeah. So, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, it's not impossible that he, or, as long as he's not one of those people that's, like, I'm 184th Cherokee. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. So like he's not like doing an Elizabeth Warren over here. We're we're good. Yeah. Uh. Oh boy. All right. So hang on. So JT is disciplining Kaz at this point, right? About Stevergan's shitty behavior and influence. Um. Does JT ask Maggie to check on the yep com yeah. systems? Right. That's like the next step in the plot here. Okay. Yeah. JT calls Maggie and tells her to check that, that whether or not Kaz's uh, communication system was actually uh, disrupted. And uh, now we get to like the really cool part where Thrax has gone back to his base and he's talking to his commander, Glycon, uh, and a colleague named Sharos, Sharos, 
uh, about like like how this like what the next step in the defense of Mercury is, you know, and we start to see like no one here thinks that the war is a good idea at this point. Like we are we are fighting Phaeton's war. This is no longer about us. This is about his suicidal ambition. And the defense of Mercury is a suicide mission at this point. Yeah. It, Can and, I just point out quickly? Yeah. I'm sorry. Again, I had to Google because I when I was like watching the show, I couldn't hear the names Glycon and Sharos. Like it wasn't really clear to me. But I just mm-hmm. do you know who Glycon was? Yeah, yeah, I looked that up. You want you want to like, explain it? Yeah, again, according to Wikipedia, thank you, quick Google or DuckDuckGo results, uh, Glycon was an ancient snake god who had a very influential cult in the Roman Empire in the second century. That's like, dope. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> I love that. How did yeah. they do this without Wikipedia? That's what I want to know. Did someone just have like a giant encyclopedia of like Roman? Someone has a classics degree. Someone well, in this fucking staff has a classics degree. Absolutely. You see, you see, Lexi, back in the 90s, people had these things called books. I know. I was a nerd in the 90s. I also had books, but that's what I'm just so impressed about. I never actually read any of them, but I knew that they had information in them. You could, you could download information from them simply by opening them up. And you it didn't even like have to swiping. click on them to do it. But you had to swipe with your finger in such a way that the page actually, like, flips over. It was very risky. You could have got a paper cut. It was... <laughs> All right. I apologize for the interruption. I was just very excited to learn about Glycon. Um, no, Gly- Glycon's super cool. Uh, I-, I didn't find anything about Sharos's name, though. I don't know. I'll have a look, but I... Yeah, whatever. Yeah. I- I'm sure I'm sure there's some hidden meaning behind it, because there's a hidden meaning behind everyone's fucking oh, yeah. name in this show. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but other other things that are awesome, Glycon's jacket. I, I love his commander outfit. Yeah. Um, Sharos's outfit is really good too. Thrax is fine. It's a little plain, but uh, I'm I'm rocking. I, I like I like the purple and red motifs. Like, yeah, they did seem to have more. Um, how to say it, like distinguishable outfits and clothes in this, like the Neo Sapiens specifically mm-hmm. in this episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This scene's also like the kind of the first moment where we get the sense that like things are starting to really go badly for the Neo Sapiens. Like not only is like okay, Exo Squad's like mounting their comeback or whatever by taking Mercury, but you know, you have this conversation between Thrax and, and uh Glycos where he's like, Oh, when how soon will Phaeton be sending reinforcements and Glycos is like Phaeton can't spare the reinforcements and it's like, Ooh, yeah. that's not good. <laughs> like yeah. that's, well, that's a big problem. It's really becoming apparent that if if Phaeton had not had the element of surprise at the beginning of the war, he would never have won. Yeah. 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 Well, well and now a... we're also seeing internal strife where his own commanders and, uh, you know, like superior units or whatever, like Thrax are like, well, unfortunately, Phaeton's in charge. Very unfortunate. Like, they keep saying, yeah. I don't know, they keep using that word to kind of quietly signal that there's a potential for some uh what do you call it discord or at least like an overthrow potentially yeah descent in the ranks yeah Uh, yeah yeah, yeah. well and they never bring they never bring it up but i i feel like you could very easily say that we are that we are now feeling the 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 long-term rippling effects of able squad destroying olympus mods yeah because i that was the program that was supposed to grow the neo sapien population and 
yeah. it was it was ended or at least stalled in a very significant way. Yep. Well, and it's it's like again, it's like there's parallels to the Second World War too, also where it's like you have um, you know, like this the Neo Sapiens have like a technological edge. They have the, you know, like kind of um, surprise, better tactics, honestly, probably better troops because the Exo Squad's been just kind of like flying around chasing pirates for the past, fi- past 50 years. Mm-hmm. But um, over time, it's like all the casualties and then the fact that, yeah, the breeding facility was destroyed so they can't replace their losses. So they're, you know, like running out of all their elite troops or the, you know, like on the front lines dying they're losing these like kind of like crack units and whatnot. And everything's like kind of slowly starting to fall apart. Um, So it's just, it's pure attrition at this point. Um, And then at the same time, coupled with like their leaders, just like megalomaniacal self grandiosity, um, you know, like, and they're kind of, you know, because I think it's Glyco says at one point, he's like, it's, this is just Phaeton's war now. Um, It's not really about, you kind of get the sense that like these are the neo sapiens who were very much invested in like the notion of neo sapien liberation like this war for them originally was about throwing off the shackles of like human oppression and now however many three four years into it they're like looking at it and thinking like no this is actually this is nothing this is just phaeton's ambition and nothing else yeah and it's really it's tragic <laughs> it's really sad because you yeah. you feel for them like the show's done a good job throughout the history. You know what makes this show what it is, is it's done a really good job complicating the human position by pointing out that humanity were the bad guys at the start. Well, Terrans were the bad guys at the start of this, yeah. um, and you know this other branch of humanity, the Neo Sapiens, had a case. But you know through Phaeton, it's, it goes back to whole Marsala's whole thing of like, you know the the problems are real, but Phaeton's way is the wrong way. I don't know. It's just a nice. It's a nice little touch again. Back back at uh, the exo the exo carrier, uh, Maggie confronts Kaz about him lying to JT, and uh, you know uh, is a, another another person trying to get through to Kaz that like you don't want to be like Staff Rogan, you don't want to follow Staff Rogan because you know, like you said earlier, Lexi, you know, you look at him, look at his career, look at you know, like what happens to him he doesn't belong anywhere he gets bounced around to fill in holes that uh, other people leave yeah he yeah. he he will he even if he is a better pilot than jt he is not a better soldier leader person you know yeah you don't be like him yeah i and, think maggie specifically in the scene like maggie's um I don't know, argumentative point is like, you know, again, Stev Rogan might be a good pilot, but JT leads his own crew. Like he has his own unit, right? And so as you say, yeah, like Stev Rogan jumps around and he's not, he doesn't really belong anywhere, but he also doesn't get to lead or like actually do anything of much impact, which I think kind of comes through to Kaz a little bit. Because this Mm. is, is this the the scene also where like Kaz talks about his father? Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I think it is. Because he says it's not really about JT or Stav Rogan. It's just that his dad never thought he was good enough for anything. And so there's obviously like a little bit of transference where Kaz sees JT as a kind of father figure and like nothing he ever does is good enough. But Stav Rogan makes him feel good, right, about himself and his skills. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it, it's it, that, feel, that, that feels a little weird, too, because like up, up until this point, I've never seen JT be anything but 
like a good father figure to Kaz. All right. So I think like one of the things with um, like Kaz and JT's relationship is like, I think it absolutely is a sort of like father figure relationship, but JP JT's always there, like kind of tempering Kaz's more like kind of like impulsive instincts and stuff like throughout mm. the, you know, he's like always, you know, like get, get, get back in it Takagi, get your head in it. Da, da, da. He's like always kind of pushing him to be better but also to be less reckless and less like impulsive and brash. Um, he's, you know, just trying to temper him. And I think in this kind of moment with Stav Rogan's manipulation for Kaz, that feels kind of like he's, he's that, that effort to temper and to rein him in feels like he's not like appreciating Kaz's abilities and trusting Kaz to be as, you know, um, to be, you know, like a capable pilot who can go off and chase the, you know, Neo Sapien Red Baron, um, it, does that does that kind of make sense? Like it's it's yes. it's, yeah. it's that effort to actually be a father figure that Kaz is kind of bucking against. It's his like kind of almost youthful rebellious like instinct. He's like, no, I know better. He's headstrong, and Stav Rogan, being the kind of bad influence that he is, is encouraging that headstrong behavior. Um, and uh, Kaz is inter- misinterpreting it as like JT trying to control him or not appreciating him, thinking he's not good enough. Mm-hmm. Um, he's like, well, Stav Rogan sees me for who I really am. As opposed to Stav Rogan is a guy who's going to be here for like three weeks and then he's going to fuck off and then where will I be? Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and he's just he's just a troublemaker and like an asshole. Yeah. Um, yeah. But so like Maggie covers for Kaz as well at this point, which I personally was a little bit disappointed about, but I also get it right for the purpose of the story. Like she's not going to... Um, kind of turn him into JT but she does she like literally break his gear she's like oh yeah like I fried the circuit or something to make it look like a, a yeah, blaster, I, blaster damage I feel I feel like I feel like she could have just been like oh JT yeah it was broken but I fixed it it's okay now <laughs> <laughs> like because we never see like JT walk up and be like oh yeah that was broken because also 30 seconds later it doesn't work <laughs> JT's <laughs> like fuck you you don't get to go anywhere <laughs> right I mean, I think he probably he's smart enough to suspect that's what happened. But so, you know, by Maggie doing that, he like I don't think he has like the official recourse. Like if he'd wanted to maybe, um, you know, uh, like actually formally punish uh, Kaz, like that option gets taken away by Maggie doing what she did. But he's not stupid. I think he realized like, oh, okay, yeah, I know. I know what's happening here. So he flips it on its head and uses it against Kaz. Um. Well, it, it, like like I said, the 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 jump troops are um on Mercury fighting this battle at this uh at this base, and they've ta- they they've they're 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 pinned down by Neo Sapien forces, so they call for the Exo Fleet to back them up, and uh, so Able Squad gets ready to go, uh, but when Kaz gets into his E frame, JT says, "No, you're staying behind because I can't trust you." <laughs> well, and your comms are broken. D- does he actually say that? No, that's. Broken? I'm pretty sure that's the exact reason. He's like, your comms are broken. You can't. You can't fly. Huh. Yeah, he yeah. says. Yeah, it, literally. I just. I've got the line. Your comm system's still non-functional. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's a good reason. Like, well, yeah. you kind of fucked up there, Maggie. Uh, <laughs> and, but like, so so he suspects Kaz is lying to him. So that means he also knows that Steph Rogan is lying to him. And Maggie is lying to him. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, which, like, I mean, I think he always knew Kaz and Stavrogan. It's, like, I, I wonder what he would make of it, because they don't give you any indication, but, like, how what would he make of, like, Maggie doing that? Yeah. Yeah, like he, I bet I bet he I bet he has a talk with Maggie later. <laughs> yeah, I can like, see that. Like, oh yeah, I was totally fooled. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's like was this was this really necessary? <laughs> you just broke you just broke a perfectly good piece of equipment. <laughs> right. Uh and well they they fly off to uh to help the jump troops and they they arrive, they arrive and they they blow up a few tanks. And Glycon is riding around in like this chariot. I don't know for <laughs> right. lack of a better term. He's like it's just it's just like a a a a floating station with wheels or a, a station with wheels that he's his top half of his body is completely exposed and he's like yelling orders and things like that. And then that gets blown up and I guess he dies. Yeah, it's it's pretty enter- it's pretty funny because he just like falls kind of. He doesn't really get hit by anything, and he falls a few feet to the ground. But you think like he's a neo sapien, he should be able to handle that. Uh, and then he gives one final order, and then just goes, <sighs> and then he died suddenly. <laughs> yeah, it's like from something totally unrelated. He had a stroke. Sorry. <laughs> it's like a very melodramatic stage death. Like <laughs> he passes yeah. out. Yeah, it's like it's a great. He's just like now, Thrax, counterattack. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's well, like you, like you just said, he orders he orders Thrax to counterattack, and uh, which is not what he told him to do before. Uh, no, they were supposed to attack the um, the ships. Like they were going to draw the E frames away from the carriers, and then go attack the carriers with so, the remaining so the- Neosapien E frames. The the impression that I got before from what they were talking about was that Glycon wanted Thrax to like fly with the scout ship to evacuate everyone. Only if the counterattack on the um on the ah, escort okay. uh, the carriers uh fails. Gotcha, um, gotcha. And uh I can't see how it wouldn't because like the next scene we see this like you know, glorious Neo Sapien counterattack and it's like Thrax and two other E frames. Yeah, it's Thrax, Sharos, and one other guy. Yeah. Uh <laughs> But but there's no other E-frames on the ship, because that's a great idea, except for Kaz. Uh, so, you know, the serendipity is everything. Uh, and, you know, Kaz launches to uh, fight off those E-frames. He kills Sharos and the other guy. And this brings, like, you know, Thrax is like, oh, no, you didn't. <laughs> and he goes, they start having this dogfight. And uh, the the only thing I had to note here was that ship is called the Wellington, which is uh, an old World War II ship that the British Admiralty turned into, like, a floating party hall after the war. <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> good, good taxpayer money right there. Do um, they eat beef Wellingtons on the Wellington? I hope they do. Oh, my Maybe goodness. that's all they serve. Like, <laughs> it's just like beef only... Wellington twenty four seven. Ain't no party like a Wellington party because the Wellington party don't stop. Right. <laughs> Apparently, it was a Grimsby class sloop. Uh, that's made up. That's not even <laughs> a real thing. <laughs> no, it's one hundred percent. HMS Wellington U sixty five was a Grimsby class sloop launched in nineteen thirty four. I mean, I'm pretty sure the British made up their version of English. 
anyway, so. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, Thrax, so Thrax and Kaz are, are fighting as, uh, at, this, at this point, Able, G, Able Squad or just JT are returning to the Wellington because the, the jump troops are okay now. Uh, but uh, Thrax shoots, shoots down Kaz and Staff Rogan. Who, uh, who, who shows up to try to save Kaz, and uh, Kaz gets shot down in this ravine on Mercury, and he's like, you know, Thrax is just hovering there, ready to take the shot, and Kaz is like, well, you're the best, you know, fucking, fucking get it over with, and Thrax decides not to, which you go know, goes back to the, goes back to the title of the episode, the first steps. And he says, there's been too much killing today, and he leaves. And, um, you know, it's like like we were talking about before, it's an indication that the rank and file of the Neo-Sapiens are getting sick of this. Like, they don't yeah. want to be doing this anymore. It's, um, not about, it's not about their liberation. I mean, like, because you think about it, like, imagine you're, like, a, a Neo-Sapien patriot, for lack of a better term, and, like, you believe that Neo-Sapiens should be liberated. You probably have, like, fairly lefty-influenced, like, you know, kind of views on this, and then you wind up being part of this literal genocidal machine that's exterminating <laughs> the people who, yes, used to be your oppressors, but, like, do you really want to be them? Are you really trying yeah. to be even worse than the humans by, like, enslaving and also, like, exterminating them? And yeah. the answer seems to be no, no. <laughs> <laughs> which is what makes Thrax such a great and tragic character. Yeah. yeah, he's very relatable for I don't know a Neo Sapien who doesn't actually get that much screen time, but yeah, they manage to convey a lot of like uh, I don't know, for lack of a better word, like yeah, nobility or like honor in his kind of approach to warfare. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the, the the only other thing about Thrax that I wanted to mention: Do you notice he has green eyes? Does he have yeah, like, yeah, they're like the red iris with like a weird teal green. The, I don't know what the rest of it, the vitreous. <laughs> his his yeah. eye white is a eye green instead. Yes. Yeah yeah. 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 And Glycon too. Like he had like yellow eye yellows instead of eye whites or whatever, right? Yeah, I but that's not uncommon. Like a lot of the then a lot of the Neo Sapiens have like yellow or like bright green. Um eyes and eye whites whatever but like the thraxes specifically stand out because like the iris is red and then there's like a kind of bluey green um yeah color for the white yeah i i, I actually like the idea that that's supposed to indicate that he has like a genetic admiral like abnormality in, in his brood and like maybe that's part of the thing that makes him such a good pilot yeah yeah and I mean, he's got a sense of like individualism to himself. Like, I mean, like mm. obviously, like I think the Neo Sapiens in general have more individual identity and self-expression than they're given credit for. But you know, he paints his own E-frame red. Like, he has some sense of himself as like being distinct and like there's a there's like a core of individual expression here that's like very you know brought to the forefront with this character. Yeah. And so, so the episode ends with um, Kaz in the hospital after you know his crash. Uh, Stav Rogan visits him and tells him that you know I'm being assigned to uh, E-Frame Repair Squad, so this will be the last time I see you for a while. And they kind of have like you know a little goodbye. And um, is he is he walking? He's walking away, 
and JT's walking in the room as well. And they almost seem cordial at that point. Yeah. He's just like, I think he just says like Yuri and he's like, yeah, JT. And they just pass each other. Yeah. And, uh, and then JT and Kaz talk about, you know, why didn't Thrax kill me? And JT brings up what we've been bringing up. You know, he says, you know, maybe, maybe they, there are Neo Sapien troops who want this war to be over. And he thought the first step to that would be not killing someone who doesn't need to be killed. Yeah. Yeah. I think maybe. And then he says something like, maybe he's gone soft. I was going to say, I think that's the line. Yeah. That like comes up at the end that JT kind of drops uh, a little bit, not facetiously, but like, there's a little bit of a smirk, right? Like maybe he's going soft. Like that's actually not a bad thing. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, go a little bit soft too, maybe. <laughs> it, it's it's a it's a call it's a callback because I think Stab mm. Rogan said the same thing about him. Yes, and exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. 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 I also right. just want to point out at the end. I love that JT like pats Kaz's broken arm <laughs> like, in the sling. He's like, "Hey, kiddo, pat, pat, pat." Like, right. like, you know, you did this to yourself, right? Pat. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, oh, and dick. so this is like it's it's interesting. I can't remember if we get any many more of these or if this is like a like a thing that runs through the whole um, this whole season. But like it seems like you get at least a few episodes of focus on individual members of the squad, and like it's some mm-hmm. moment of their yeah. development of them learning like some important lesson or whatever. Because we had Bronski with the jump troopers, where he was like you know kind of just being Mister like uh, you know like inner rivalry guy or whatever and like being kind of addicted to the jump troopers and then like he like realizes like oh actually like that's not that's not appropriate behavior um and you know like he like kind of learns the value of comradeship and all that sort of stuff that episode after he gets kind of called out for you know like making fun of them after their comrades died um and then we had rita torres is like toxic masculinity episode last time where she like learns to you know not just like try and literally shove the other lady out of the way but to work together as teammates and then we have like kaz's like hothead episode where he's like you know learning because like at the end when jt kind of points out well maybe um thrax has gone is has gone soft and like they kind of have a little smile knowing smile and that's the end of the episode it's like this like kind of where kaz like learns the important lesson that being a great pilot and a great soldier isn't just about technically being the best at flying. It's about like so many other dimensions that are beyond that. Like, you know, good leadership, Mm -hmm. good planning, compassion at some point also, Um, you know, all this other, like there's all these other intangibles that go into being a good soldier. So there's like these like little developmental episodes that we've had periodically. Mm Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to remember, I know we get like a, a, like a Maggie and Alec episode that, you know, obviously sets up some stuff with them, but I'm trying to remember if we get that with anybody else this season or not. I feel like Nara's, a lot of Nara's development happens in the first season, right? Because she's the focus of a lot of stuff with like her family on Venus and James and all that. So, I mean, although things are going to happen with and to Nara (laughs) in coming episodes, like... Uh, she kind of takes a back seat here for a while because she's already had that development. So I feel like this is giving yeah. the other characters a chance to show their individual personalities and their flaws and, you know, their growth. Yeah. yeah. Character growth in my children's cartoons? I won't have it. <laughs> <laughs> I want static two-dimensional characters, thanks. I want explosions and titties. Yeah. Um. But again, I mean, I not sound like a broken record because I know we say that all the time, but or this all the time, but like, that's also part of what makes this show special, right? Yeah. Is it's this great. like very kind of detailed effort to like really update and grow the characters and like make them learn something. 
over the course of it. Yeah. yeah. And even cast the Neo Sapien characters as more nuanced and complex. Like Thrax is a really good example of that, right? Yeah. And even like yeah. the conversation with Glycon, it's like, oh, well, I, I, it's like some point in the episode they're talking about. He's like, okay, well, unfortunately, you know, Phaeton's our leader. This is Phaeton's war. Like, we are soldiers. We must just follow orders. And I think Thrax says, but what happens when the war is over? And it's either Glycon or Sharos who says, like, for us, the war is never over. And it's this really, like, sad, powerful moment of, like, oh, fuck, yeah, yeah like, what happens to characters like this when Phaeton has no one left to kill? Like, they're fucked, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um. Yeah, I don't know. So just all around, once again, well done, everyone involved in making this show. We we love it. It's yeah. great. Yeah. yeah. What a what a gem and a treasure. Well, with that, the, that's the end of that episode. Um, yeah. You two got any recommendations or plugs you want to put out this week? What have we been What have we been watching of late? Uh, Nothing new. We watched that Japanese film from two thousand and one. Oh, sick! That was yeah. Uh, it's called Cairo, like K-A-I-R-O, um, which I guess in Japanese means pulse. Uh, and it was the, there's a, there's a really bad American remake of it from like the early 2000s also. But it's like, it's like one of the first like haunted internet movies. It might be the first haunted internet movie, um, but it's good. It's like, a, it's weird and it's definitely got like a kind of a strange narrative flow, but it's genuinely creepy and it's got some really like haunting ghost scenes and stuff and yeah, yeah. it's just like all around pretty good movie. Yeah, that was fun. Oh, that sounds cool. Yeah, I'm trying to think if we um, like watched anything else. We rewatched Oculus recently, also because it was you know like Halloween um, has come and gone since we last chatted. So we were watching a lot of horror movies. Um, yeah, I've never yeah. seen that. I should watch that. Oculus. It's good. Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, it's did, very I, sad, <laughs> but it's good. <laughs> Um, the only things I have to bring up this week, uh, it, the, by the time this episode airs, it'll still be going on. Um, there is a uh, group of streamers doing a thing called Desert Bus, where they play the most boring video game ever. You literally drive a bus in a desert down the road forever. And um, Why? They're... What is the purpose of this game? It is, no, it, there's no purpose. Occasionally, there's a bus stop. Okay. I mean... So it's just like real life... <clears throat> fucking capitalism where i work a mindless job that i hate yeah yeah <laughs> for no reward Wait, so, okay <laughs> so so they, they've been doing this for a while um they they're on day two of seven holy shit does of just a hundred a hundred and forty hours of straight streaming this game um do they, they do relay, a bunch of, like, like just do they take it in shifts like someone yeah comes they over do after like three hours to drive the bus yeah, they've got they've got three eight hour shifts every day, uh, with a bunch of content creators and such. Um, so they do like there's, there's like comedy show, there's like comedy bits and like giveaways and everything. And the idea is to donate to a charity called uh, what first play, oh uh, uh, child's play, which is a charity that gives video games to um, video games video game systems to hospitals, so that children who are stuck in hospitals have something to do. Um, and uh, the, they should read books like we did in at, the 90s <laughs> as, of, as of time of recording they have raised $200,000 so if you want to go look look for Desert oh, Bus wow. on Twitch if you want to watch them and donate some uh, they do this every, every year uh, and the other thing I wanted to uh, recommend was uh, Gendy Gennady Gendy 
the the guy who did all the Cartoon Network stuff in the early 2000s and late 90s, including Samurai Jack, uh, just put out a new show called uh, Primal, and it is really really good. It's about it's a very nonverbal show about a caveman named Spear and a T Rex named Fang, and it is brutal as hell. Cool. Sick. Okay, yeah. that sounds awesome. Yeah, that does sound super sweet. Yeah. Um, oh, I think because I mentioned last time I was like talking about maybe having some like images and stuff from the comic. Um, our first draft is done, uh, but we're still kind of working on cleaning up some of the early uh, images and dealing with some like early blocking stuff and visual continuity stuff from the first few pages when she was the uh, uh, artist I'm working with is still getting a feel for things. Um, so I don't think I'm going to have anything like publicly available yet, but we do have a first draft uh, that I'm going to start shopping around to people here pretty soon. Uh, but yeah, can't so wait to see it. That is progressing. Cool. It remind me. Remind me of whenever you get images and stuff you want to share on the yeah on the socials. The socials. <laughs> the socials, indeed. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, when we're uh, it's gonna be a little while. We want to um, we want to get at least one more issue ready because we're gonna do like these like longer form issues and probably have a little bit more time in between um issues but we want to get a couple ready and then kind of think about how we're going to do distribution it's probably we're probably going to do something free and maybe have a patreon attached to it or something like that um but yeah i will definitely uh keep everyone posted as that it's still going to be some time away you know you're talking about two people who have full-time jobs trying to also do this on the side for fun um so it's <laughs> slow going but we will get there and i will certainly how dare let you? people know <laughs> how dare you how dare you be adults who need to like make money to live pay pay rent and things yeah <laughs> all right well all right, uh on that no- on that note thanks everyone for listening and uh you know stay happy healthy out there and have a uh, have a nice thanksgiving and all that if you're yeah. if you're in the u.s and if you're not in the u.s go out and eat like a glutton like we do yeah all the time say hi to your family if that appeals to you and don't if it doesn't and uh yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and if it, do- if it doesn't fuck those guys <laughs> yeah. they don't deserve you anyway Oh. <laughs> right. All right, comrades. Uh, all right. Bye. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening.